Well, welcome back to the Faith Roots podcast, and this is uh, going out live on uh, Tuesday morning. It's uh, about quarter to nine, and we're going live on Facebook for a Faith Roots live session. Uh, we're going to be recording this, so there'll be an audio version which will be available from Faith Roots, and a video version that will be available on YouTube. Uh, and today's uh, podcast or uh, favourites live is titled "Cakes, uh, Pronouns, and the Main Thing." Uh, now, now, one of my aims uh, when doing the podcast, doing the favourites live, is to pick up on things that might be topical, might be current, but also to help us think, help, help us to be better equipped for gospel ministry in our contexts. And I wanted to pick up on two stories, one in the kind of the mainstream secular news, um, very UK, very English centric story, and one uh, within the Christian news um, uh, from over in the States. Uh, you see, I was watching uh, a little bit of the news. In fact, we weren't actually watching the news. We'd been watching uh, some something else, something fairly sort of light and, and trivial at the end of uh, the day yesterday on um, uh, something that we'd pre-recorded. And uh, and then at the end of the recording, um, uh, we, uh, you, you know, I'm wondering what that was. It was it was live at the Apollo. Uh, so at the end of the report recording, we go back to the, the, the TV channel we'd be on. It's on the news channel. And um, uh, there... Uh, on, I think it was probably Newsnight or something like that. The uh, there's a opposition spokesman, uh, one of the shadow cabinet, is being interviewed, and it's around all of this controversy about parties and uh, what's happened at Downing Street and whether. Uh, civil servants uh, had broken the law, uh, whether the Prime Minister himself had broken the law or allowed others to break the laws, the very laws that he had put in place and whether or not he'd lied about them. And that that story has been running for a, a good few weeks now, hasn't it, since before Christmas. And it looks to be pretty damaging. There's a, a report coming out from Sue Gray that will investigate and report on all the claims. I think a lot of people have already made their, their mind up on, on this. Well, the latest revelations are that uh, on the Prime Minister's birthday in the middle of lockdown, uh, some of the uh, the staff, some of the, the colleagues, some of his team uh, brought in a birthday cake for him. Now, it's possible within that if they were singing happy birthday that they were again breaking the uh, the rules uh, the the news presenter said okay fair enough and we know all the stuff going on here but you can cut him a bit of slack you know just just sitting there and some people bringing in a birthday cake that's surely not the the worst of crimes, is it? And the opposition spokesman, no, no word of a lie, completely deadpan, straight-faced, said, no, because this was premeditated. 
Now, I don't know what your opinion of birthday gate of what's happened at Downing Street is. I don't know what your opinion of the Prime Minister is. I don't know where you lean politically. I would suggest that there are some very serious things here in terms of just seriously in terms of how the whole government functions about the the culture this sort of possible drinking culture uh, and crucially that question of if we have a prime minister that is just cavalier about the law that will break laws if it suits him and will even ignore rules that he has set himself then that is serious uh, I'm inclined to argue that, again, people have different opinions. I, I have said for a long time, I said right at the start that I I could not vote for either of the choices put before us at the last general election in terms of the main, the main parties. And so there's a little bit of me that is tempted to say, what did you expect? We knew what we were getting with Boris Johnson. He's certainly not disappointed in that respect. But serious moral failure and definitely criminality needs to be challenged. The consequences need to come. However, whatever we feel about it, you, you get this sense that, uh, I mean, some of the excuses that were given last week, was it last week or the week before, you know, the... Uh, that I'll need to wait for Sue Gray's report to know whether or not I was at an illegal party. Or I, I just popped out to say thank you. I didn't realise it was a party. I thought it was a work event. And, you know, the, the excuses have looked even more ridiculous. The, the attempt to uh, argue and excuse your way out of something has just been absolutely crazy, hasn't it? And has, you know, made the the Prime Minister an object of ridicule. But similarly, there's, there's something about describing a birthday cake and bringing a birthday cake as premeditated that also looks a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? And what I would suggest there is you've got this situation where Instead of sticking with the big main issue and getting and skewering the Prime Minister on one serious significant thing, uh, we, we hit a situation where lots and lots of minor examples are given, but described in the most morally serious tones. In the mistaken belief that that actually wins the argument. We we attempted to, um, to to believe that, you know, that that it's about how much, you know, sort of weigh the evidence. I, I've I've seen this. Um, uh, I've I've talked with people um, uh, when they've been bringing a, a grievance in the workplace. Uh, and they've written a lengthy letter and they're about to go into a, 
uh, a meeting with their boss or a tribunal and they've got this long list of and then he said this and then he did that and then this and then that and uh, and they think that if they just throw lots and lots and lots and lots of complaints then they're going to be heard they're going to win their case uh, similarly i've i've seen people attempt to put together uh, their asylum case and again sort of lots and lots and lots of little stories uh, and my advice is always the same and those, those stories are not irrelevant they uh, they help build up the picture of what you were facing but they're illustrative and just having lots and lots of stories and lots and lots of things is not actually going to win you the case what will win you the case is very early right at the start going in and saying let's have a level of sort of forensic sharpness this this is the issue this is what really matters here And that applies to those situations. It applies to all sorts of other situations as well. It applies when you're preaching, by the way. Um, uh, you, you know, when you're preaching, it's very tempting to get into sort of this sort of meandering sort of stroll through a Bible passage as different things strike you. As you read a phrase, read a verse, and then you stop and talk about that for a bit, and it makes you think about something else, and then you tell a story, and then you make an application, then you come back, and then you say something else. Whereas what we need to be doing with preaching is reading the whole passage and being really sharp, being able to state in one sentence, what is this Bible passage about? What is uh, the driving point, and what change does it ask of, of us? It applies to other aspects of pastoral life as well. We're going to talk about that very shortly. But uh, what I wanted to do was just share the other example that has, has struck me. And, uh, uh, and here it is. Uh, so uh, coming up on the screen, if you're watching on video on, on YouTube or on Facebook, I'll read stuff out for those that are listening in I, I i've cut and pasted a, a tweet from a guy called tom buck he's a leading american uh, pastor uh, talking about another leading american pastor to bt and uh, to bt uh, was a guest at a conference and he's on a panel and he's answering a question about what church members should do how they should respond when what they're getting from the pulpit is racism and uh, white supremacy and that kind of white nationalism it's in the context of some of the things that have been going on over the past year or two in terms of black lives matter and and the protests and uh, uh, Tom Buck says, here to BT Annual says some people should leave their church because the pastor, uh, in brackets, that rascal, is a white supremacist, either explicitly or implicitly. 
But he says that you should stay in your church to support your good pastor, which includes women pastors. And this provoked a lot of uh, response. I think there's about uh, uh, got uh, 200 likes and about 90 responses and lots of quote tweets. And one of the responses is is this one from a guy called Owen Strachan, who's um, recently written a book on uh, why it's wrong to be woke. And Owen Strachan says, so sad to see this, Tabita has affirmed all sorts of woke ideology and now affirms women pastors, please God, bring this man to repentance, how we all need the Lord. If you watch the video clip, better still if you can get the whole thing in context, you will you will see uh, what what has happened. Uh, Tabiti is at a, a conference. It's a, a, a at an event. Uh, there are people from different evangelical backgrounds there, and that will include people that are complementarian and people that are egalitarian. Uh, so people that believe that eldership and pastors uh, that they should be male. And those that think that men and women can be vicars, pastors, elders in the church. It's also worth saying that just in terms of uh, particularly US Christian culture, a little bit of it here, uh, that even in what we might call complementarian contexts, uh, women may be appointed to the staff team to... to roles within the church um, perhaps as a worker uh, working amongst women in the church or with families and, and children or uh, supporting counseling and care within the church and in some churches what you will also see is that they will be identified as a pastor, as having a, a pastoral gift, without it being assumed that they carry the teaching authority of a, an elder in the church. Uh, so, um, for example, if you go to Bethlehem Baptist Church, Bethlehem was the church where uh, John Piper was the pastor. And um, John Piper is probably one of the leading most sort of out there strongly complementarian guys so I, I speak as a complementarian and there are things that i've disagreed with john piper on um, in my um, pdf booklet my, my dissertation on marriage at work because I've, i felt that at times john piper uh, was um affirming a particular culture kind of a 1950s american culture um beyond actually what scripture was asking on some things so you know it, the thing is it's okay to disagree on on these things uh, so a couple of things here uh, Tabidi would have been speaking to a, a range of people there uh, and the question of female pastors uh, well there's a range even within complementarianism and then there's a range within evangelicalism and we can recognize it as important it's significant it matters but it's a secondary issue but what that means is that 
I can disagree with you on whether or not women should be elders and pastors in the church. Uh, without that changing the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that we agree on the gospel. Uh, now, just for the sake of healthy church unity, and because I, I don't think this is unimportant, it doesn't matter at all. I, th I think there's some significance to this because we want to get our interpretation and application of scripture right. We want to get our church culture right and as, as healthy as possible. If I was part of a church as a member, uh, part of a church as a, as a leader, then I would be concerned that we did our best to get this right. And I, I have a few of what is, what is right and what is wrong on this. And so I would be saying in, in the church where I'm part of the membership, part of a leader and part of the leadership, I would be insisting that we, we didn't appoint women as elders and again you can read my position that might be controversial for some of you to to listen into if you're coming from a, a different position to me on that I just ask that you you bear with me on that and go and read in your own time what I have said I'll listen back to some of the favorites live sessions that I did before Christmas on men and women in, in leadership uh, but just bear with me on that for, for the moment. I think it's important that you have a sense of unity within the local congregation. Uh, but if we're talking about my relationship with other Christians and other churches, uh, then that's one of those things where, like baptism, uh, age and stage, in terms of baptism and mode, like our exact view on application of, of the gifts of the Spirit and the timing of baptism in the Spirit and those kinds of things, uh, like a number of other things, I would say that this is, this is secondary and we unite for the gospel. We're brothers and sisters and we, uh, we share fellowship. Uh, yesterday I, I was meeting with somebody who is a, uh, who is a, a leader uh, in a church that is egalitarian uh, and we would have a different approach on that we'd have a different approach on, on a number of things but there was a real sense of delight and unity in the gospel that we could rejoice at stories of what God is doing here in our city in Birmingham uh, and in context, that is the sense with, uh, with Tabiti. But I want you to notice some two other things. But do watch the video in your own time. You notice two things. The first thing I want you to pick up on is this. That what people have done is they've built a whole controversy around one pronoun. That uh, Tabiti is referred to your pastor, he or she. And they've built a whole controversy around his use of the word she and applied a whole theological position to Tabiti. That from that, they've concluded that he affirms egalitarianism. And that if he does, that is, that is so serious that he needs to repent of it. 
and it's sort of shameful. Now, to build that whole argument from that one word and to condemn someone on that, I want to say is it's ridiculous. I want to actually say it's shameful, it's sinful, it's slander. And if we want to talk about the kind of behaviour that raises questions over calling for ministry, I want to say it here loud and clear that if you go after people and slander them and your tongue is filled with hatred against them, then that should be raising serious questions. And so I would actually urge Tom Buck and Owen Strachan to meet with their elders. I hope that they're not at the stage of too late and to talk about how they have behaved in this deeply wicked, deeply sinful way online to a brother in Christ, that they remove their tweets, that they publicly repent, and that they then work with their elders in terms of what it means to be restored. Strong words, I, I, I guess. Uh, there's another reason for that, uh, that coming shortly. You can't accuse someone of holding a position simply because they're aware that others in their, con in their audience hold that position and speak sensitively to them on an issue that actually we all agree is second order, is not a gospel issue. And to accuse Tabiti was slander. Particularly when Tabiti then responded and said, actually, this is my position. I am complementarian. And instead of saying, we're really sorry to beat him, we spoke too soon, we didn't think, uh, these guys just, you know, they doubled down and were like, no, we had every right to assume that you were an evil, wicked, Satan-worshipping, Christ-denying wolf. That, that's the kind of, pretty much the tone of it. Um, they didn't actually use those words, but that's, that's pretty much where we were getting to on this kind of thing. Who needs to repent? We had every right to assume that. Uh, thank you for your clarification, as, as though it wasn't clear from the start, as though they needed that. Uh, but there are still question marks over you. That's the, that's the kind of tone that was coming through. It's, it's really shocking. No grace, no humility, no looking at their own hearts in this. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Remember what I said at the start about what is the main thing here? and not getting distracted from it and not just building up lots and lots of other things. Uh, there's something that we can do here. But what greatly concerns me about that conversation is that Tabiti was talking about something very serious. He was talking about racism. He was talking about a kind of nationalism, white supremacy. You know, we're, we're talking um, a wicked ideology here. That, that has presented itself in extremes in terms of the Nazis and genocide, in terms of the Ku Klux Klan, in terms of segregation, in terms of slavery. That's what Tabiti is talking about. Uh, and for somebody to step in on that conversation and to say, we don't want to talk about race really anymore. No? 
Right, never mind that. What we're really concerned about is your use of that pronoun there. It begs the question, why do you want to turn us away from the serious, urgent point that this man is making? Why don't they want to talk about race? Or why don't they don't want to beat his voice to be heard on that? I don't want to try to second guess here I, I, and, and be unfair to them. I, I suspect that it is because they are so logged on this one issue that this issue of um, egalitarianism has become so huge and significant that that's all they can hear here. They can't hear the other heart cry. And that's what I wanted to just talk a little bit about here is the other side of things is actually how we listen. When you are listening to someone pastorally, when you're hearing their story, uh, they've not been to Dave Williams's boot camp for how to make a sort of legal case. And they're just, they're just going to tell their story. They're going to open up. And all sorts of things are going to come out. And I think there's a double risk there. There's, there's first of all the challenge that just in the noise of everything that they have to say that we will miss what the real issue is what is really important to them and this could be some grief that they are having to bear something that they are struggling with some spiritual warfare an enemy or it could be an issue of um, shame and guilt they're carrying real guilt and shame or false guilt and shame or it could be an issue of ongoing idolatry the thing that they keep coming back to that is really important to them But what might make it even harder is that we go into the conversation with our own priorities, our own agenda, our own big issues. Uh, and that means that we can pick up on things that people say and then we can make the conversation about the thing that matters to me. And the thing that matters to me may well not be what matters to them at that time. And it is highly unlikely that it is what matters to God at that time. Uh, and so the risk is that we, we fail to listen well to them. And also we're not listening to what God is saying in the situation. Uh, so I wanted to challenge us on that this morning, just to get us thinking. I guess this has probably been a little bit provocative uh, on some points here. But that, that's the main point. I, I don't want to make this about Boris's birthday cake or these American 
Theo Bros and that kind of thing. I want to get us thinking about our own pastoral conversations and contexts. A couple of things just to encourage you to do. I think first thing is just to be actively listening, following the conversation. And that means looking as well as listening. Is there a theme, a thread that's running through the conversation, what they're saying? Are there changes in tone and emphasis in their voice at particular points? Do they give emotional indications? Is there a little bit of tearing in the eyes or a wobble in the throat or a bit of colour in the face? Even a slight tremble that says we're touching on heart issues here. Secondly, I think it is always good to ask the question, what is it that your heart is most concerned about here? Give them a chance to express what is on their heart. What is their heart need? And thirdly, thirdly, ask them, what do you think God is doing in this situation? So hopefully three things just to help us to listen better, not to get distracted by cakes and pronouns but to keep the main thing, the main thing. Thanks for joining in this morning. And I'm sure that this will provoke comment and discussion as well. Feel free to comment on Facebook or YouTube, or when this goes up, it'll go up on uh, Faith Roots and there'll be um, a, a blog version of it. And uh, you'll be able to put comments in as well, I'm sure for that. Thank you for listening.